Well, good morning once again, and I think it's appropriate one more time to say Merry Christmas. A few weeks ago, an elementary school-aged child approached me, and this young man had just figured out that Christmas is on a Sunday this year. And knowing that his family is a church-going family, he realized that he would be sitting in church on Christmas morning. And um, he he wasn't very happy about it. He, He expressed his displeasure to me. Um, he, he said, why do we have to go to church on Christmas? This ruins everything. You can understand a child's frustration. I mean, there, there's so much buildup to December 25th, and then to uh, find yourself sitting in a pew for an hour and a half while there's presents uh, waiting at home that's challenging. And then, of course, the adults are thinking about the ham that's in the oven uh, at home. You know, as challenging as it might be to sit through church on Christmas, it's really fitting that we're here today. It's fitting that we're gathered here as followers of Jesus Christ. Um, Something wonderful happened on that first Christmas day all those years ago, something that has both uh, cosmic and personal significance. And the world has never been the same since that day. And so we're here on Christmas Sunday to celebrate, to join our voices with the angels, with the shepherds, and really with the church around the globe today um, to give praise to God for the good news of great joy. Uh, The Lord has come. And so today we're going to be looking at, uh, we're going to hear the Apostle John's telling of the Christmas story, the story of Christ's first coming, his first advent. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, we're going to hear him tell this story in the opening paragraphs of his gospel. Um, The the story, the text, is also printed on page 10 in your bulletin if you want to follow along there. Also in the Bible in the pew uh, near you, page 886. And so... In a moment, I'm going to read these verses, verses 1 to 18 of John chapter 1, the prologue to John's gospel, his introduction to his telling of the the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, as I read, I want you to note something here. John uses a particular title for Jesus long before he ever uses his proper name toward the end of the passage. He calls Jesus the Word or the Word of God. And John wants us to understand that Jesus of Nazareth is God's message to us. He's God's speech. Uh, We could say God's self-expression as the Word Jesus reveals to us who God really is. And and John is saying, look, if if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. He is the Word of God. So, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, I'll read through verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Let me pray for us. Our God and Father, what uh, wonderful words we have just heard. We pray that you would make the light of Christ to shine upon us today as we think together about this good news. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a lot that John tells us here in the, these opening paragraphs to his gospel, and I just want to draw your attention to, to three things that John says here, three things about the the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' first coming. He tells us first that the story begins at the beginning. Second, that this story is about God becoming one of us. And then third, that this story leads us to the cross. So it begins at the beginning, it's about God becoming one of us, and it leads us to the cross. So first, the, the story of Jesus' first advent, it, it begins at the beginning. And you might have been able to tell as I read this section of, of John's Gospel that John begins the story of Jesus' first coming in a very unique way. Uh, Mark begins his Gospel with the preaching of John the Baptist. Both Matthew and Luke uh, begin a bit earlier at Bethlehem with Jesus' birth. But John takes us way back. He takes us on a journey back to the creation of the world. He says, in the beginning. And if you're a Bible reader, you're you're hearing now in that phrase echoes of the opening words of the Bible in Genesis 1. In in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so when we go back um, with John in time, and if I could put it this way, to the, the time before time itself existed, we go back with him, what do we discover? You know, have, have you ever tried to imagine um, what eternity is like? What's there? Uh, it can actually be a terrifying exercise. I mean, what if there's nothing? What if there's nothing at all? Or even worse, um, what if what we find is something terrifying? You know, if we could peer through the darkness, what would we see? 
And John's answer is, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John wants us to understand right from the very beginning of his gospel that Bethlehem was not the beginning of Jesus. Uh, He is the eternal Word, John calls him, the Word of God, the one who is with God, enjoying the relationship of closest possible uh, intimacy with God in eternity. John even goes so far as to say this, this Word is one who is God Himself. Jesus is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. I don't know if you realize this, but you you just sang this truth a, a few moments ago when we said, very God begotten, not created. Jesus is the eternal word. So so way at way back there if you, if we could go in our minds back to that that point right before creation. We we see Jesus, the word of the Father, the eternal divine son. And and John goes on to tell us that this Jesus, this very same Jesus who is with God, who is himself God, made the world. He made the world. John says in verse 3, all things were made through Him. Through Him. Through this Jesus, the Word. Uh, he was the agent of creation. And John tells us that everything that exists that is not God owes its existence to Jesus. Everything. Everything. So when we read in Genesis 1 that, that God spoke the, the cosmos into existence, we hear him several times say, let there be. Uh, w- John wants us to see that it was Jesus the Word who made it happen. He created the world. John says in him was life, and he fills this world with, with light and life and, and splendor. And, and you know the story from Genesis after he created human beings in God's image, God looked at, all, looked at it all and He said, this is very good. This is very good. The, the Father took delight in everything that His Son had made. And, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, what does all this have to do with Christmas? I thought Christmas was about, you know, angels, shepherds, a, a little baby. And, and it is. It is about those things, but it's about so much more. John wants us to see the story of Jesus' birth as part of a bigger story about God and His world. The good world that He created and the, the love and delight He has for all that He made. If you're familiar with the biblical story, you know that, that something has gone terribly wrong with God's world. Um, things, they're not the way they're supposed to be. You know, we human beings, we've, we've made a, a real mess of, of this world through our sin. And instead of the light and the life that, that Christ filled his creation with, there's darkness and death. And I, I think this is part of the reason the holiday season can be such a, a gut-wrenching time for so many. You know, everything is supposed to be merry and bright. It's the, the happiest time of year. It's the season of joy. And yet you look around and there's darkness. Uh, this world, it's broken. You know, you have the, the big things that make the news. You think of war, poverty, 
injustice, hatred. But there's also those all what seems like an endless stream of all those individual pains and griefs that people bear. And, and maybe you're conscious of those kinds of things in your own life at this time of year. Um, you know, loss. Loved ones whom, whom we celebrated with last year are not, are not here now. Um, disappointment. The holidays, you know, they tend to highlight relationships that have soured. And so in the back of many minds, there's, there's fear. We come into this season of merriness and, and brightness, and yet in the back of many minds, there's this lingering um, question. What if all the excitement of the holiday season is just a, um, a, a temporary distraction? What if sin and sorrow are the final chapter of this story? And this is where John comes in and he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John's telling us here today, God has not given up on His creation. He's going to set things right. And John wants us to see that the very God who created all things came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That the Creator, who's high above, did not remain high above the misery of His world. Um, he's not some remote, detached, unconcerned deity. He, he came down into the mess. He came down into the brokenness. The, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, what we're celebrating here on, on Christmas morning, it is God's answer to our brokenness and sin. When we read in the Gospels about Jesus healing the sick and feeding the hungry, we're, we're seeing God's determination to redeem His world, to renew and recreate His world. John's showing us that Jesus, the one who is light and life Himself, came to put death to death. He came to dispel the darkness. That's why He goes all the way back to creation. He says that same God, that same God has come down to us to set things right. You know, at this time of year, the days are, are pretty short, the nights are, are quite long. You know, 6.30 p.m. rolls around and, and my body's telling me it's, it's 10.30 p.m. <laughs> uh, and I like to step outside for a few moments in the evenings and, and see all the houses in our neighborhood that are decorated with lights. Some of them are, are quite extravagant, others are are much simpler, uh, but just to stand there in the darkness and to see light is this beautiful reminder that light has broken into the darkness of this world. Christ has come, and he's beginning to make all things new. And so John's telling of Jesus' first advent, it, it begins at the beginning, but then he goes on to show us that it's a story about God becoming one of us. It's a story about God becoming one of us. The musician Joan Osborne uh, released a single in the 90s. Maybe you, you remember it. It was titled, One of Us. And the song invites listeners to consider uh, this question. What if God was one of us? What if God was one of us? And the, the chorus says, what if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on the bus. 
trying to make his way home. And, and at first it might sound irreverent, but it really asks a, a profound question. What if God was just this person you see sitting next to you on the bus? What would it be like for God the Creator to be one of us? And, and John tells us here in, in the opening of his Gospel, that's exactly what happened at Christmas. Verse 14 He says, and the Word, that Word who was there in the beginning with God, that Word who is God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a human being. This is the the staggering claim of the Christian message that God became incarnate or enfleshed. That's what incarnation means. The, The Word, God the Son, became incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth. And and without ever ceasing to be who he always was, he took to himself a a, a human nature, including a human body. And and that word flesh there, as John puts it, it sort of jumps off the page. Uh, It does for me. I'm not not sure if it does for you. It sounds so ordinary. It sounds so earthly, so um, material. And that's exactly the point. Uh, John saying the Word became a real and true human being in every way, except for sin, the Bible says, but, but human in every way, including all the, the weakness and the frailty and the limitations of our human existence. You think about it, the, the Creator, the one whom John just told us, he, he made all things. He becomes a tiny human embryo, in Mary's womb, um, her blood pumping through his heart, completely dependent on her for life and nourishment. Um, you know, many have struggled with this idea that that God could become a, a real human being. The Gospels don't shy away from showing us Jesus' real humanity. I mean, you read the Gospels and we see Jesus experiencing physical exhaustion. He becomes hungry. He becomes thirsty. He experiences physical pain. He endures loneliness and rejection, even betrayal. Uh, We find Jesus weeping over the death of a friend, angry at the the pain that death causes people he loves. And then in, in Gethsemane, as the cross is ahead of Jesus, He's nearly crushed by the waves of of anguish and just uh, emotional turmoil that come crashing in on him. And then, of course, he's even swallowed up by that hideous monster called death. It's a very human life. The Word became flesh, John tells us, fully human without ceasing to be God. Now, Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, this incarnation thing is, is difficult to understand and it just seems like some, you know, esoteric doctrine, something for theologians to debate, but, but what is the practical value for ordinary Christians, for, for men and women like us sitting here on, on Christmas morning 2022? Um, it's not just some debating point for those who, who are nerdy about theology. <laughs> this, uh, this reality of the incarnation of God the Son, it, it's intensely personal, valuable. The, the Word becoming flesh, 
It, it means that God stands in solidarity with us. He stands in solidarity with us. He, he came to us. He became one of us. We sing in Come Thou Long Expected Jesus that, that He came to taste our sadness. You see, in Jesus, God knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be you. And you say, well, well of course, God knows everything. He, he's God. But I, I don't mean that, that God knows what it's like to be you hypothetically. In Jesus, He knows personally. Uh, Jesus tasted sorrow and suffering and weakness like you and I do. Um, he knows your experience of life in this fallen world, and he's not indifferent to it. I remember reading uh, several years ago about a 14-year-old girl named Carly, and Carly has autism. And she belongs to a, a loving family, really a family that's gone to great lengths to, um, to show love to her, but her autism created just a relational boundary, barrier between her and the rest of the family. Um, she couldn't verbalize her thoughts and feelings. She couldn't let her family in on what was going on inside of her. And you could imagine how isolating that kind of thing would be to, to not truly be known or understood by the people in your life and to just feel like you're all alone. And then at age 11, um, Carly learned how to type on a computer. And, and all of a sudden, this whole new world of communication and relationship opened up for her. She could, she could type something about what's going on inside of her, and her family could read it, and they, could, they began to understand Carly a, a bit better. She even typed things like, I, I have autism, but that is not who I am. All of a sudden, they're, they're hearing these profound thoughts come from what had been their silent daughter. And yet Carly realized that words alone could not bring her family into her lived experience. Um, the, the pain and frustration of being a, a young woman with autism. And she once wrote to her father, You've never been in my body. I wish for one day you could be in my body. She, just, she longed for someone else to know what it was like to be her to know the struggle, to know the pain. And friends, the, the story of Jesus coming that John tells us here in John 1, he's, he's saying Jesus has done what Carly could only dream of her father doing. Jesus has done that very thing. He, he became one of us. He knows you and me more deeply, more personally than anyone else ever could. He, he understands your fears. He understands your weaknesses. He's attuned to your suffering. He knows what it is to battle with temptation. And, and his heart overflows with compassion towards you. Jesus' incarnation gives us deep assurance that God personally understands us. God isn't that, that cold, dark, distant deity that maybe we imagine at times. He's the God who comes near. The God who cares so much about our sin and brokenness that He entered into it Himself. The One who, who came. 
in the body, in the flesh, in order to heal what's broken, to cleanse what's defiled, and to restore us to fellowship with the God who made us. So the story John tells about Jesus' first advent, it it begins at the beginning. Second, it's about God becoming one of us. Third, this story leads us to the cross. It leads us to the cross. As, As John reflects here in John 1 on his personal acquaintance with Jesus, you know, he and the other apostles had spent three years with Jesus, learning from him, talking with him, observing and watching him. John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and what we saw was glory. We saw glory. Not merely greatness, but, but glory. Glory is of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record Jesus' transfiguration on a, on a mountaintop. That, that moment, maybe you remember it in the Gospels, where it's as if the, the veil hiding Jesus' divine splendor is temporarily pulled aside and, and three of his followers get a glimpse. Peter, James, and John himself get a, a very momentary glimpse of Jesus' divine glory. But John himself doesn't record that event. Instead, if if you trace the theme of Jesus' glory in John's Gospel, John leads us step by step to another mountain, to Mount Calvary. And he invites us to stand at the, the foot of Jesus' cross, and he says, here is the glory. This is the glory we beheld, the glory of divine self-giving love, the the self-giving love of the Father in sending His Son, the self-giving love of the Son in laying down His life for dirty, sinful, broken people like us. John wants us to see that Jesus not only became one of us, He became one for us, one in our place. Jesus comes into this world as man and takes to himself all of our sin and brokenness. takes it upon his shoulders. He he absorbed in his own body God's judgment of our sin. He plunged down into the abyss of death so he could destroy it forever. And then he rose from the dead so that he could fill his world with new light and life again. One of the hymns we sang earlier, one of my favorite Christmas hymns, Joy to the World, it it invites us to rejoice. Not because everything is happy, safe, and secure today. It's not. I'm sure each of you could identify hard things right now going on in your lives. It calls us to rejoice, not because everything is right with the world. We don't sit here this morning pretending that everything is fine. It's not. It invites us to rejoice because the Lord has come. Because the Word became flesh. Because darkness is not the end of the story. The light of Christ is already shining. The light of Christ is dispelling the darkness. And so this, the hymn says, Rejoice. Rejoice, the Lord has come. 
And if if you don't know this Christmas joy, you know maybe a, a friend or a family member dragged you along today, you can know this joy. It can be yours. You can know personally the joy of having your sins forgiven and the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And I'm sure the person who brought you today would love to talk with you about it. I'd be more than happy to speak with you afterwards and tell you more about what this this story, this good news is all about. But brothers and sisters, rejoice this morning. The Lord has come. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we pray that you would fill us with the joy of our Savior's birth. Would you help us to maybe capture once again the, the wonder of this glorious good news? Would you let us find our hope and rest in Jesus today? We pray in his name. Amen.